Recorded by The Way in Brea. Lead pastor Von Jarrett has a heart for the people at The Way and a desire to reach the lost. The Way's production department prays this message is a blessing to you and that you find yourself closer to God through application. could hear me. There we go. There we go. Praise the Lord. Well, I'll tell you what. It's hard to contain myself as I've been um, in, in this service and, and, and listening to your worship and hearing what God is doing in this church and amongst the young people. It excites me. It excites me because God has got so much that he wants to do here. And you know what? This uh, place is not going to have room to contain it. Yes. Hallelujah. You know, and I think as we get things lined up, as you get things lined up for God to have his way, Amen. get ready for the floodgates to open. Amen. Amen. Yes. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. It's my wife, Anna. She, told, she warned me not to ask her to say anything today. <laughs> so I put her on blast. You know, <laughs> so... But I said, you can just stay there and look beautiful. That's okay. <laughs> Amen. But I want to talk to you today about true disciples. Do we have any true disciples in the house today? Amen. This is what I want to talk to you about. Um, you know, every time I turn around, I'm hearing the term fake news. You know, every, you know, every time you turn around, you know, oh, that's fake news. Well, people, it's become such a saying that people even say it when someone says something about them that, that isn't correct. Oh, you, that's fake news. That's, that's fake news. You know, and, and the thing is, fake news, in other words, is the news that, that is being reported that it's not based on true facts, right? But at the same time, I'm hearing people both personally on television that profess to be Christians but the fruit of their lives doesn't match up with what they are saying. All the time, I'm, I'm seeing this all around me. They're praising God one minute, then they're using his, his name in vain the next. You could call them fake disciples or fake Christians. You know, we talk about fake news, but we got fake people around us sometimes too. They, they, they want to profess Jesus when it's convenient. But when it's not convenient, they don't really want to go ahead and, 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 and identify with Jesus. It's like, you know what, I'm, I'm identifying with Jesus right now, but I get at work or I get around people. I don't even want to pray over my food because I'm kind of embarrassed. So, I, I, you know, you pray over your food and it looks more like you're scratching your eyebrow. <laughs> you ever see that, that, that quick scratch your eyebrow prayer? 
Thank you, Jesus, for the <laughs> Because they're embarrassed about Jesus, right? You know, brothers can identify with that. But for, for, for in 2 Timothy chapter 3, it says that they have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. And let me just read that for you in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 2 through 5. It says, For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, bolsters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God having a form of godliness, but denying its power, and from such people turn away. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. You know, we carry this power within us. We have the Holy Spirit within us, but we can be sometimes ashamed. You know, and the thing is that this term disciple is not used commonly, right? You know, you just don't hear it anymore. You know, when's the last time you heard in school or you heard, heard in, at work, well, are you a disciple? You don't hear it. So it's like, well, what's that even mean? And so like everything, when you don't know, you do what? You Google it. <laughs> right? You go ahead and you Google it and you say, well, what's disciple mean? Right? And so the thing is, disciple, uh, this is what I found on Google. Uh, and it came from www.allaboutfollowingjesus.org. Now, this is serious. This is a real website. And discipleship definition is changing from the inside. The important, and you can just bear with me for a second. I just want to read this to you. The important distinction with Christian discipleship is that we are not only called to learn the teachings of Jesus Christ, we are also called to live them. A disciple who bases his or her life on the teachings of Christ, like a person building a house who dug a deep hole to lay the foundation on rock, Luke 6, 48. When we make our initial declaration of faith and ask Christ to be our Savior, he'll begin changing us from the inside, giving us the ability to understand his word and the desire to live it. This change happens in many ways. And here are a few examples of how God changes us from the inside. First, as we read God's word, we learn about Jesus and how he lived. We begin to understand what it means to be like Jesus. We learn to put him first in all things. And it gives us scripture, Mark 8, 34 through 38. We become equipped to listen to the Holy Spirit who lives within us. I think this is one of the greatest things. Even as I got baptized and filled with the power of God was the ability to listen to the Holy Spirit and what he was saying inside of me. You know, the things that he told me I needed to change. He helps us resist temptation and overcomes trials. That's in Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. And you can look up these in your own time. We learn how to examine our thoughts, actions, and words, all comparing them with scripture. We want to be doers of the word and not hearers only, James 1.22. We begin to understand what it means to, to abide in Christ or live in Christ. As we abide or live, the Holy, produce, Holy Spirit produces fruit in our lives. 
the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These aren't things we can conjure up on our own. They are produced by the Holy Spirit, a change from the inside out, from Galatians 5, 22 through 23. We start loving other people through action. See, that's the one thing, and I'll get back to that later, is Jesus said they'll know that we are Christians by our love. So we long to share our faith with others and tell unbelievers about the changes Jesus has made in our lives. And so these are some of the things that follow a disciple. Do you have enough fruit in your life to convict you of being a disciple? You know, that, that's the question. Jesus had a problem with people who said they were followers of God, but that were just religious or following a set of rules rather than getting to know and be like God. When I think about it, you know, I was listening to, to <clears throat> Pastor Vaughn's uh, message that he preached last week on no other name, no name above the name of Jesus, basically, was what he was talking about. And what that really means to be a Christian, what does it really mean to go ahead and accept Christ into your life? Because sometimes, you know, we just think, okay, I just repeat, like, he, like Pastor Vaughn said, repeat these words, and now I'm a Christian, you know? And it, it's, you know, like they're magic words or something. No, if it doesn't come from the heart, they're just words. You know, and that's one of the key things. Jesus had a problem with people who said they were followers of God, but that were just religious or following a set of rules rather than getting to know and be like God. See, sometimes we can just be, do the religious thing. I, well, I came to church. You know, we might look at our wife or we might look at our friends and say, well, I came, didn't I? Well, that's great. That's a start. <laughs> but... God wants more than that. Jesus, in Mark chapter 7, verse 6, and this is from the New King James Version, he answered and said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you, of you hypocrites. As it is written, this people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In other words, they, they, they say everything that's right. You know, they can quote scripture to you. They can do all of those things, but their heart, they're not really willing to give all of their heart to God. Are you willing to, to, to just say, okay, God, I've done things my way long enough. I want to do things your way. Are you willing to give your whole heart unto God? Now, the thing is that in today's Christianity, these are people who, who they, they say the right things, and they speak Christianese. <laughs> Uh, that's a word I coined a while ago. I've heard it several other times, but I coined it a long time ago. They speak Christianese. You know, they, they talk about, you know, uh, well, sanctification and grace. And they talk about, you know, uh, the word disciple or the word redemption. All these words that a lot of times don't, redemption. When's the last time you heard redemption used out in the world? Except for recycling. Yeah, you know, you can redeem this for a nickel. You know, those kinds of things. That's what you hear. But we use this Christianese, but they don't have any relationship with Jesus. They tell you how to be Christian, but don't do it themselves. You know, people tend to be one way in church and totally different on Monday morning at work or even Sunday on the way home from church. 
You know, sometimes, you know, we're, we're professing to be believers, and we're just saying, kids, you gotta, you got to come to know Jesus, and then they watch you argue all the way home. Or then they watch you argue all the way to church, too. And so I've counseled many people and done a lot of marital counseling and things like that. And, and, you know, and I tell them, look, you know what, this up and down, and I know it's between you and her, but at the same point in time, it's affecting the kids. It's affecting teenagers. It's affecting those, those that are watching your lives when you're not looking. You know, and so the thing is that we can say all the right things. Oh, praise the Lord, brother. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But what are we really living? Are we really living it? You know, I mean, and, and I think that's one of the things I really love about Pastor Vaughn is he doesn't speak a lot of Christianese. He speaks it straight to you and he speaks it right from the word and he gives you all of the scripture that you need to make a conscious and an intelligent decision. Amen? Yeah. Glory to God. Now, the, like the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they may know the legal side of the Bible, but they don't have the spirit of the Bible. See, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they knew the word. They knew it back and forth. They knew the Ten Commandments. They knew all of these things about the Bible. But, you know, and they, they had all these rules, man. You, on Sunday, you can't walk more than ten steps. You know, if your, cow fall, I mean, if your donkey falls in a ditch, you can't pull it out. You know, all these different things. They had all these rules and regulations, but they didn't have the spirit of the law. See, that's the thing about Jesus. Jesus came with nothing but love. You know, he just demonstrated it in everything he did. Now, the thing is that I want to look at this uh, in Isaiah chapter 55, verses 1 through 12. This is um, a set of scriptures that actually I've, I've never really preached on, but yet at the same point in time, it's what I based my whole counseling ministry on. Those of you who don't know, uh, well, I stopped doing a lot of the counseling because I'm dedicating more of myself to, to evangelistic work and to preaching the word of God and to spending time with my family. You know, I think my family has had to sacrifice a lot. But I have a master's degree in marriage and family counseling. I've done a lot of that type of a thing. I've gone through the different elements of schooling and everything else, and I've seen God do marvelous things, man. I've seen God take me from a place where I was a teenager in high school, did not have any clue what I wanted to do in my life. I had no clue. Even up to my senior year in high school, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I wasn't one of those that said, look, I just want to be a social worker. I, I just want to be a lawyer. I just want to be, I had no clue. I was just going along for the ride, you know? And a, a lot of us can do that. We just go along for the ride, you know? Just kind of, well, whatever way the wind blows, I'm, I'm gonna go with it. But the thing is that God had a plan and he has a purpose and he has a destiny and a purpose for each and every one of you, which I'll get back to in a minute because God, God is doing something here and it's not by chance or by coincidence or by accident. You know, every single one of you are here because God has a purpose and a destiny for your lives. But in, in Isaiah chapter 55, uh, and I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. And I know it's a lot of verses, but bear with me anyway. It says, shout with the voice of a, of a trumpet blast. Shout aloud. Don't be timid. Tell my people Israel of their sins. Yet they act so pious, he says. They come to the temple every day, seem, to, seem delighted to learn all about me. They act like a righteous nation that would never abandon the laws of its God. 
They ask me to take action on their behalf, pretending they want to be near me. <laughs> pretending they want to be near me. Wow, that, that, that's just what, like what Jesus just said, you know. They, they, they say the right things with their mouths, but they, their hearts are far from me. We have fasted before you, they say. Why aren't you impressed? <laughs> you know, it's like we come to the, to the beginning of the year and, and we go through a 21-day fast and we expect God to be impressed. Uh, but the thing is, there's nothing wrong with fasting. There's nothing wrong with, with committing the year over to the Lord. But look what follows next. He said, you know, we, we, we have fasted before you, they say. Why aren't you impressed? We have been very hard on ourselves, and you don't even notice it. I will tell you why I respond. It's because you are fasting to please yourselves. Wow. Even while you fast, you keep oppressing your workers. What, is, what good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling? This kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with me, God says. You humble yourselves by going through the motions of penance, bowing your heads like reeds bending in the wind. You dress in burlap and cover yourselves with ashes. Is this what you call fasting, he says. Do you really think this will please the Lord? He says, no, this is the kind of fasting I want. This is what God said. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. That's one thing I like about the millennials and this generation is, is I've seen people like the, the millennials that, that have, have walked around and done a silent protest, had their mouths covered for those victims of crime or, or those victims of, of what they call white slavery, you know, those kinds of things. The, those, those young people that are caught up in other countries and caught up and they're, they're abducted and they're, they're sold as prostitutes and all kinds of things like that. But I've seen this generation with a heart for those that don't, that don't have a voice for themselves. You know, and, and, and this is what God is saying. This is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten and burden Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them and do not hide from relatives who need your help. Ooh, that kind of strikes close to home. <laughs> Don't hide from relatives who need your help. Sometimes it's you can get tired of relatives that are always knocking on the door. They always need a little something. They always, you know, you know just can you, help, can you help me out? You know, get the hand out all the time. And, and sometimes, I'm not saying we don't use wisdom. We, get, we use wisdom. But at the same time, wisdom might be, well, what are you doing to help yourself lately? How can I help you to get your resume together? How can I help you to do this or that so that you can turn this thing around and putting the burden on them? You know, I mean, it's those kinds of things. But give clothes to those who need them and don't hide from the relatives who need your help. Then your salvation will come like the dawn and your wounds will, will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then when you call the Lord, the Lord will answer. Yes, I am here, he says. He will quickly reply. Remove the heavy yoke of oppression. Stop pointing your finger and spreading vicious rumors. Wow. I think this, this, this one uh, verse right there, stop pointing your finger and spreading vicious rumors. 
That's one thing that, not here, but other churches that, that, that attacks the church more than anything else. People spreading rumors and gossip and those kinds of things. It's probably one of the biggest sins of, of, the, of the church of God. You know, it's just, you know, you hear something and then you spread it not knowing whether it's true, fake news, those kinds of things. You know, the, the, that, 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 well, I heard this. Well, I heard that. Well, I heard, heard that... Uh, uh, pastor took our money and he went to Africa. You know, no. <laughs> what? Fake news. You know those kinds of things. You know, it, it, you know to, that Pastor Vaughn it, it works hard every day. You know, not only for the church, but he's full time both. He's not part time pastor and part time worker. He's full time both. And that, if people don't realize that some, how much that can, of a toll that can take on you. Anyway, then that's, that's just for another time. But your godliness will lead you forward and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Oh, I, I went back a little bit. Then your light will, be, will shine out from the darkness and the darkness around you will be as bright as the noon. I might have skipped the verse, but that's okay. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry, and restoring your strength. How many need restoration of your strength? I know I have to pray that all the time, you know, that those that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings of eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. That type of a thing. See, sometimes that just means reconnecting with the Lord. Amen? And the Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry, restoring your strength. You'll be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. Some of you will build the deserted ruins of your cities. Wow. See, there are people you know that have no hope. You know, their, their mom's not there, their dad's not there for them. There are people there, that, but you can offer them this hope of Jesus. Then you'll be known as a rebuilder of walls and a restorer of homes. God is telling his people it's not, just, not enough just to be religious and try to look holy or spiritual, but our action to reflect the heart of God and demonstrate the love of God. No, there's a, there's a, there's a, a, a scripture that talks, I mean, a song out that says, love God, love people. You know, I mean, how, how do people know that Jesus cares if we don't show them? that he cares about what they're going through and where they're at. And so the thing is about our spiritual actions to reflect the heart of God and demonstrate his love. In other words, again, love God, love people. What does it profit, my brethren? This is James chapter 2, verses 14 through 20. If someone says he has faith but doesn't have work, I mean, if I say that I believe in Jesus but there's nothing in my life that convicts me of that, there's nothing in my life that shows that I'm a believer. Hmm. Can faith save him, it says? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warm and be filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? That's James chapter 2, verses 14 through 20. Thus also faith by itself, it does, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Wow. You believe that there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe in trouble. He's saying, you know, well, I believe in God. That's the person who said, well, I believe in God. 
You know, God said, well, you notice in, in, in New Testament, and you look in the Gospels, the first people to recognize, the, the first creatures to recognize who Jesus was were demons. I mean, they, they knew Jesus, who Jesus was even more than his own disciples. They said, what do you want to do? With, what do you have to do with us, O son of God? O son of God, what do you want? They would bow down. They would, they would cringe at the sight. Of, they knew the authority and the power of Jesus, and yet they, that didn't make them believers. That didn't make them Christians. They knew who he was. And that's what this scripture always got me because of that. It says, you believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe in trouble. <laughs> but do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? In other words, if I say I'm a believer, uh, then I ought to act like a believer. Amen. Whether it's in church, whether it's at home, whether it's in the car, you know, that, that I know that, you know, you just heard a little bit of my New England accent. I lost a lot of it, but when it comes to the word car, you'll hear, the, you'll hear my accent. But in other words, actions speak louder than words. We're called not only to love God, but to also show his love to people. See, our actions... Is what is going to make the way a place where people feel welcome. See, when, when they see that people genuinely care about them when they walk in the door, when they see that, you know what, I'm not here to put you down, I'm not here to come down on you or anything else, but I'm here to show you that God cares about you and that he loves you and he has a plan and a purpose for your lives. You know, I, I was so blessed as, as I watched my brother's uh, playing the bass over here. You know, the one of the times that I came, the Lord gave me a word for him. And, and, and you know, it just, and to see, the, see what God is doing and has done since that time, it just, it blows my mind every time I see him. You know, because it just blessed me because, you know, I don't, to, if you ask me what I said to him, I couldn't tell you. Really, because when the Lord gives me a word like that, Sometimes it's for that person and that person only, and sometimes it's gone as soon as I leave the door. Some people might come up to me after church and say, well, what was that word you gave me? And I'll say, I'm sorry. If you missed it, it's kind of late, you know. I, I, mean, I, I, I mean, I really don't have control over that. But I, but I, I, I have a word for some of you today, too, but I'm, I'm not going to do that until the Lord gives me leeway to do it. I have to lay a foundation first. He said in, in John 13, 34 through 35, he says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love, <clears throat> one for another, will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Whoa. And the thing about this is he says your love for one another. Amen. That means it, even, it starts in the house of God. It starts right here. Your love that you even show to each other shows the world that you're different. Amen. And the love that you show them as they come in will show them that this is the place where Christ dwells. Amen? Amen? And so the, the, the thing about it is, and I'm, I don't know if I'm going to read that scripture or not. I told him I, I may get to that one. In Zechariah 7, 4 through 13, you can read that in your own time, but it just basically talks about Fasting again, is this the fast that I want? Are you fasting for me or are you fasting for yourselves? Think about that. Sometimes I fast, and, and I'm guilty just like the next one. I might fast because, well, I want more of your anointing in my life. 
Lord, I want my ministry to grow. Lord, I want uh, this for me and my family. Lord, you know, but when do we fast to say, God, what do you want from me? What is it that you desire from my life? What is it that you, what, what is my purpose? What is my destiny? What do you want from me? You know, give me clarity in the spiritual things. See, because that, to me, is, is a bigger thing when it comes to fasting and prayer. It's just, God, I just want to line up with your will and your purpose, your destiny for my life. You know, it, that, that, that is so crucial. <laughs> wow. I just re- realized, you know, um, that, that this, this is your son that's out there now working the sound, you know? And, 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 and when I think about that, we just had, had time for conversation, you know, even over fellowship and over eating and all of the things, and the Lord allowed me to speak into his life as well, you know, because, you know, God has a purpose and a plan and a destiny that he unfolds, and, and, and to see him stepping into that, I mean, I almost didn't recognize you when I came in the door because there's been so much of a change in you. Amen. God is doing so much. Amen. Amen. It's, just, it's just a blessing to me to just see what he's able to do. You know, when we just yield to him. And <clears throat> the thing is that a lot of times we reach a point where we just don't know what God is actually saying to us, and we're not sure what to do. You know, sometimes we're in school and we're caught up in various situations and and we don't know what to do. God, I just don't know what to do. I don't know what to do about this situation. I don't know what to do about my boss at work. I don't know what to do about my kids. I don't know what to do about, you know, the guys that I hang around with. They're not going to understand that I'm seeking Jesus and all those kinds of things. I don't know what to do. And this is what he says in, in, in James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally without reproach, <clears throat> and it will be given to you. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Double-minded men say one thing, but they're not sure what they believe. We used to say they're (laughs) wishy-washy. You don't even hear that anymore. But they're they're on the fence all the time about everything. Well, you know, you're going to go to the game tonight? Well, I'm not sure, you know. I might, might go, I might not. You know, I'm, I'm not, just not sure. Are you coming to church on Sunday? Well, yeah, well, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, it's just like that all the time. Just not, they're not committed to anything. They just don't know, you know, what they really believe. You know, what, what, what are they really believing about God? Well, God could heal me, but he might not. He, he, he could bless me, but, you know, maybe, I, you know, I'm just not sure. Now, I, I think just this Jesus thing is real, but I'm not really ready to commit yet. You know, all this kinds of thing. You know, they, 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 they just can't make up their minds. They're double-minded. That's what it says. But it's hard to receive anything. He says you, you can't receive anything from the Lord until you make up your mind that you're going to be committed to him. Amen. You know, that, I, that I'm going to give my way all the way to God. You know, I'm going to surrender my will to his will. And it's not my will, Lord, but your will be done. You know, John the Baptist, he said, I must decrease and he must increase. You know, the reality of, of that in our lives, when, it, when, does, when do we take us off the throne of our lives and we just say, God, I'm going to give you the throne? 
I'm going to give you full charge. I'm going to give you full control over my life. And it says, going back to that other scripture, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control. Brutal despises a good traitor's headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. From such people turn away. And the thing about it is that God is just saying, look, you know what? I'm looking for you to give me 100%. I'm looking for you to stop doing things your way and turn it over to me. Now, I'm looking for you to begin to demonstrate your love toward others. I'm going to read that last scripture in, in, in Zechariah because I feel like the Lord wants me to read this last one before I just continue on. Because sometimes, like I said, I just got to teach before. It says in Zechariah 7, 4 through 13, the Lord of heaven's army sent me this message in reply. He says, say to all your people and your priests, during these 70 years of exile, when you fasted and mourned in the summer and in early autumn, was it really for me that you were fasting? Hmm. This is New Living Translation again. And even now in your holy festivals, aren't you eating and drinking just to please yourselves? Isn't this the same message the Lord proclaimed through the prophets in years past when Jerusalem and the towns of Judah were, when, were bustling with people? And the Gav and the foothills of Judah were well populated. Then this message came to Zechariah from the Lord. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. Judge fairly, show mercy and kindness to one another. Don't oppress widows and orphans, foreigners and the poor. And do not scheme against each other. Your ancestors refused to listen to this message, he says. They stubbornly turned away and put their fingers in their ears to keep from hearing. Well, the other New King James Version says they just shrugged their shoulders, like, oh, well. You know, I'm not sure what that means. You know, they just, like, shrugged it off. And they stubbornly turned away and put their fingers in their ears to keep, keep um, from hearing. They made their hearts hard as stone, so they could not hear the instructions of the message that the Lord of Heaven's armies had sent them by spirit through the earlier prophets. That is why the Lord of Heaven's army was so angry with them. He said, since they refused to listen when I called to them, I would not listen when they called to me, says the Lord of Heaven's armies. Sometimes when you feel like my prayers are just bouncing off of the ceiling, God's saying, look, are you ready to do what I told you? Are you ready to follow and com commit your life to me? Are you ready to, you know, uh, you're saying, okay, we're, we're so quick to blame God. Well, you know, God, I was praying about this. I was praying about that job. I was praying about this. God says, well, were you willing to just seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and all, knowing that the other things will be added to you? Were you willing to put God in charge of your life and sign a blank contract? where he gets to fill in all of the empty spaces? Are you willing to just say, God, okay, God, not my will, but your will be done? Are you willing to do this? And, and the thing about it is, God doesn't want to take anything away from you. <laughs> he doesn't want to take anything away from me. He, does, he, he, he just wants to, to remove anything that's going to cause harm to you, that's going to cause you to fall 
It's going to cause you to fall short. It's going to cause you not to reach your purpose. It's going to cause you not to... God wants to remove those things from your life, but he doesn't want to remove anything else. He wants to only do those things that are going to make you more like him. You know, and the thing about it is, okay, note that I put away. Now I can just stop. The reality is, is, is even as I came in and I looked over here to my left, and I'm looking at you young guys with your letterman jackets on and everything else, and I'm looking, and, and you know what? You're not here by accident. God's got a plan and a purpose for you. You know what? You were born to lead. You were born to, and, and many of you that are right there, you were born to lead. You were born to step up. You were born to, to have a purpose in this life. You were born to have influence because long after football and long after um, baseball and all of the other sports are done, God will still reign. You know, God will still be in charge. He'll still have everything under control. And, and you know what? What difference does it make? You know, I, I, have a, I had friends that, uh, one friend that, that, that was destined to be a professional basketball player. And he went to camp, and he was one of the best in his camp. And that person ended up hurting his knee. Same thing happened to this brother that was a football player. And you know what? His life took a total die because all his eggs were in that basket and he didn't have anything to fall back on. One of them ended up a drug addict. The other one started to go that way. I'm not even sure where he ended up because all his eggs were in that basket. But when that person decides that they're going to put their life in God's hand and, and no matter what, God, I'm going to serve you, no matter what, then he can even take a mess and turn it into a masterpiece. He can take your life and he can turn it around. He can do things that you never thought were possible. I mean, because people look at, they can look at, at, at me or Pastor Vaughn or whatever and, and say, well, man, yeah, well, it's easy for them to say they got it all together. Well, he's got a degree and everything else. I was no different than most of the guys that you hung out with. When I was in high school, and I'm not proud of it, but I used to smoke weed, I used to drink, I used to do all the things. See, they see us all cleaned up and don't realize that it was only through God that, I, that, that things got turned around. Amen? You know, the reality is, is that, that it's never too late for God to step in. Some of you just feel like, you know what, yeah, but I already messed up in school. You know what, and I, I'm already, uh, I don't even know if I'm going to graduate and all those kinds of things, but it's never too late for God. Amen. See, as you put God first and as you decide that, that God, okay, I'm not sure what to do, I, and you ask him for wisdom and you say, God, I, I give my life to you, then he can take that life and he can turn it around. He can do things far beyond. See, I would have never thought that when I was in high school that I, would, that I would go to other countries and I would preach in other countries and I would do things that I'm doing right now, but, you know, because, you know, that, that just wasn't what I was about. I was just, like I said, I was going with the wind. I was going with whatever sounded good, felt good, <coughs> you know, did whatever I felt was right in my own mind. But when I got to the end of that road, that was about the time I finished college and everything else. I had got to the end of the road where I just said, God, you know what? Some people invited me to church, and I realized that, you know what? I've tried everything else. I've tried the partying. I've tried, tried you know, fooling around with different ladies and all of those kinds of things. I tried drugs. I tried wine. I tried all of these different things. 
And none of them brought fulfillment to my life. None of them got, got me to where I wanted to get to go. And so I, at that point in time, I just said, look, God, I've done things my way long enough. I want to do things your way. I want to surrender my life to you. I, I know that several of you just recently gave to the Lord, and it's the best decision you're ever going to make. The reality is, is that, that even as you gave the Lord your life, you know, he's going to go ahead. And, and, and there's not, it's not always going to be a, uh, a bowl of cherries or just, just, you know, just the good life all the time. There's still going to be trials. Some of you are going to still go home to difficult situations. Some of you might still go home to, to a parent that you wish would, would care but doesn't seem to care. Some of you will go home to things that, 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 that you might have a parent that's a drug addict. You might have a parent that, that's not there for you or a dad that's no show or, or those kinds of things all along. And, and, and wow. But the devil wants you to feel like you're not worth it and you're not valuable and, and, and you, you're just a throwaway kind of a person. But God says, look, I didn't create you for nothing. I created you with a destiny. I created you with a purpose. I created you because you are fearfully and wonderfully made. I created you because I have a plan and a purpose for your life. There are people that you can communicate to. There are people that you can talk to that nobody else can reach, that nobody else can talk to. There are people that you know that I would never be able to walk up to and just talk to them on the street because they would dismiss me right away. Right? You know, and the reality is, is that that's part of the reason you're feeling this call, this, this desire to know God more. Because, you know what, in the world it just doesn't make sense. Nothing seems to make sense. You know, you know without God, then we become like Solomon. If you look the, read the book of Solomon, he says, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. In other words, it's all in vain. It doesn't matter. How many people you know like that? Oh, well, I don't care. It don't matter. It don't matter to me. Yeah, yeah, no. It's whatever. You, you hear that all the time, right? And the thing is that as, as you surrender to God, he'll show you purpose and meaning in life. He'll show you that there, there is a plan, that there is a greater plan than you, think that, than you think of what he has for your life. God was just saying, look, if you love me and show it to others, then I'll, I'll show you your purpose, your plan for your, my life, for your life. The thing is that there are people in here that God is just saying, you're not here by accident today or coincidence this morning. <laughs> just met brother right here, you know, as he came up and introduced himself to me. You know, because, you know, I think you can really relate to a lot of the things that I'm saying, that, that a lot of times everything out there just doesn't make sense, you know. You know, where's this all leading? There's got to be a greater purpose in life for me than this, you know. God, maybe you got something else for me. Maybe there's something more to this life than what I've experienced so far. And God is saying, yes, there is. You know, uh, uh, part of it, he's also saying, though, that, <laughs> wow, that, I don't know if it's your wife, girlfriend, fiance, whatever, but she, you know, sometimes she's been through many times of, 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 of hurt, of feeling broken, of, of, of feeling like, 
okay, I've heard this before. And now she's saying, look, okay, if you just surrender to me, if, if God says you just surrender to me, I'll show him by your actions, by what you do, that I can make a change in your life. You know, I can make a change in your life. I can do what others said it was impossible to happen. And so he just says to you, my sister, he says, don't lose hope. Put your hope in the Lord. As you put your hope in the Lord, he'll do exceedingly and abundantly above all you can ask or think. He'll, he'll do way above what you think is possible. But he wants you to know that he's heard your prayers. He's heard your cry. He's heard the desire of your heart and how you want things to change. And he says, look, if you surrender to me, I will do it. If you surrender me, I'll do it. But it comes with surrender first. <laughs> when we surrender to the Lord, we win. When we just say, okay, God, okay, my pride isn't important right now. My ego isn't important right now. The only thing that's important is me getting things right between you and me. How many have ever been to that place where you just said, I know that was how I got saved. I got to that place where I just said, look, you know what? My pride isn't important. My ego isn't important. What others think about me isn't important. Sometimes even when I go to the altar and I, and I, I feel like, you know, the altar call wasn't even, I, the, I've had the Lord tell me to go to the altar when, when whatever the altar call was wasn't even for me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because people sometimes were looking at me for leadership or say, well, if he can go, then I could go. That kind of a thing like that. You know, and, and, and so sometimes God just said, go to the altar and pray, even though I'm not convicting you of that, or, or, but go. Will you obey me and just go, no matter what people think of you, no matter what they're saying about you, no matter what, you know, what gossip goes on about you? Oh, well, pastor went up for that. <laughs> Right? But the thing is that it really doesn't matter because the Bible says if my heart was right with God, then I have peace with both God and man. So I don't have to worry. You don't, you don't find Jesus running around trying to prove who he was. You know, as a matter of fact, Jesus did just the opposite. Jesus sometimes would tell people, look, you know what? Okay, don't even say anything, right? Yeah, don't even say anything. You know, he's, you know, it's okay, you're healed, right? But don't even tell anybody. Wow. You, know, you think, wow, man. That's why Peter just said, look, you know, Lord, how are you going to let yourself get killed? How are you going to let, you know, Jesus, he, he took Jesus to the side, and I, I, I just spoke about this on Wednesday, but it's not about me, it's all about him. You know, he, said, he, took, he took Jesus to the side, and he said, Man, come on, Jesus. I mean, after Jesus told him he was going to get killed, he said, come on, Jesus. I mean, let me talk to you for a second. How in the world are you going to do this? How are you going to allow this to happen? And Jesus rebuked him. Jesus rebuked him and said, look, I got a mission. I got a purpose that is bigger than this, that is bigger than this time and this sequence right now, that's bigger than anything you could possibly imagine. Because you're looking at right now, but I'm looking at years down in the future. I'm looking at what you can become. I'm looking at what you can be. I'm looking at the people that will be saved a thousand years from now. Jesus is already there. 
See, we, we're short-sighted, though. We only look at right now. And God says, I got a bigger plan. I got a bigger purpose. And, and this is the same, same, same Peter that God had just given. The, he says, you are Peter. And upon this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He says, I give you the keys to heaven and earth and earth. Wow. But yet, in the next moment, he was telling them, you're going to deny me three times. That's how, how fickle we are sometimes. I'm down with you, Jesus. You know, I got your back. You know, if anybody, you know I'm, I'm with you all the way. You know, and then he comes to the garden of Gethsemane, and he cuts the man's ear off, trying to cut his head, but he cut his ear off. And he said, look, I'm, I'm down. Can't you see I had my sword and everything else? And then a little girl confronts him, and he's denying Jesus. I mean, he, he, the little girl says, no, I'm pretty sure I've seen you with them. No, not me. You know, and he's cussing and everything else. And, uh, yeah, because he was then scared. Fear took over. All of us have places of fear in our lives. But the reality is, when I surrender that over to God, you can win. God didn't create you to lose. Some people feel like you were just dealt a bad hand, but God did not create you to lose. He created you to just turn that hands over to, to him. And as you do, he'll turn, it, turn your life around. I'm not sure where everybody in here is, but I know that God has a bigger purpose and a bigger plan for your life. And uh, this young man here, you know, you've been sitting there on the edge of your seat, you know, just knowing that God, you know, God's confirming things. Because he, in your quiet time, when, you're, when no one is looking, you've been spending time right there in that word. See, and as you pursue, pursue God and you can pursue knowing him, he'll make sense of all the things that have happened in your life. All the things that, that you're not even sure why they happened and why it had to happen to you and those kinds of things like that. God is saying, look, I'm going to take every single one of them things and I'm going to use them a part, as a part of the way that you'll be able to minister to others if you just give them to me. If you just surrender that area over to me. He's got a plan and he's got a purpose. And the thing is, nowadays, I want to just speak to my young ladies for a second, but nowadays, whether it's, it's videos, whether it's music, whether all, all these different things that are trying to point to you that your only value is your body and those, those kinds of things, I just want you to recognize and know that, that God has a bigger plan, a bigger purpose for your life. And as you submit and surrender your lives to him, <laughs> unfortunately, People will, will do anything they can to try and have their way. But you've got to know your own value, your own purpose, that God has a plan for you. It doesn't matter what anybody else says about you, what anybody else is thinking about you. All those things, it doesn't matter. What matters is what you think of your, yourself. What you realize, when you realize your own value to the kingdom of God and that he has a purpose and a plan for your lives, it's th that's what the one thing that really matters. And the thing is that 
Stop comparing yourself to everybody else. Stop thinking of yourself as less than. Because God says with me you can be more than. You know, and I think that that's one of the key things. When you realize that God has a bigger plan than you even have for yourself. That he loves you so much that he would not allow anything negative to happen to you that is not designed to build you up. Not designed to make more of your life. Many of us have made decisions we weren't proud of. But God's not interested in that. When they brought a woman caught in the act of adultery to Jesus, they were ready to stone her. They were ready to crucify her, basically. They were ready to put her down. And Jesus said, look, okay, yeah, you're right. The, the Old Testament says if anybody's caught in the act of adultery, you can stone her. And Jesus said, look, look let you who is without sin throw the first stone. And he started writing on the ground. Everybody would like to know what he was writing because eventually everybody left. Nobody could throw a stone at her. Nobody. See, and, and Jesus never condemned the sinner. He came down hard on the Pharisees and the Sadducees, but he never condemned the sinner. See, that's what love does. Love says, I'll accept you and receive you just the way you are, but I'll help you become all that you're supposed to be. God wants you to know that. He'll accept you just the way you are, mistakes and all. I don't care what the past brings your way, what, what things you've done wrong that you think are unforgivable. God says, I'll forgive you. I'll help you. I'll enable you. I'll empower you. I'll give you the strength you need to overcome the situation that you're going through right now. <laughs> I just want you to know that God loves you. And he sent me here to tell the church that we need to demonstrate that love to other people. We need to love him and love others. And so I want you to just stand to your feet right now. I'm not going to be any longer because I believe I did what the Lord wanted me to do. I just believe that God has a purpose and a plan. Uh, <laughs> that's another brother that blessed me when I came in. It was my brother who was sitting all the way in the back, got his little journal, and he's, he's not worried about anybody else. He's taking notes and, and, and seeing what God wants you to do. He's still got a plan for you. And even though <laughs> you question sometimes the motives and intents of other people, God says, keep your eyes on me. Keep your eyes on Jesus, because he's never going to let you down. You know, as people don't understand or you feel like you don't fit in, <laughs> Everyone that God's ever called to leadership, you look at all the prophets and all the people that served God, often had to walk alone. They often weren't accepted. They were often made fun of. All of those kinds of things, just like that. But the reality is for you to know who you are in him. For you to know that he has a plan and a purpose for your life. The desire that he's given you to know more of his word and to spend time it's going to produce fruit. It's going to produce fruit. And though people sometimes don't see you, God sees you. God sees you and he knows you. 
And you know what? I have a son that battles with things like this himself. And sometimes, you know, he, the, the, he thinks the negative or he thinks the worst all the time. And so we have to get to him sometimes and just say, look, you know what? Those scenarios you're playing out in your mind, it's not always true. Just because you're thinking it doesn't mean that it's true. You know, and so sometimes we got to just get out of it and say, look, you know what? I don't care what the enemy is saying about me because the devil is a liar and the father of lies. I don't care what he's saying about me. I care what God is saying about me. And God says I'm valuable. And God says I'm good. And God says I'm more than a conqueror. And God says greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And God said if he be for me, who can be against me? And God says that, that if I'm on, his, on your side, no one can defeat you. Then I'm going to go ahead with God regardless of what anybody else is saying or thinking about me. I'm going to go ahead and be who God wants me to be. Amen? Amen? Glory to God. And so today, you know, I, I just really believe God is speaking to many people on different levels. And I'm sorry if for some of you, I may, it may have been all over the place. But the reality is, is once I get away from my notes, I just have to do what the Lord is telling me to do. <laughs> wow. And one last thing before I open up the altar. This young man right here, you've been through a lot of things that nobody knows about. You've seen a lot of things that are troubling. And you've seen a lot of inconsistencies in people that make you doubt people, that make you feel jaded at times, or feel like, you know what, I'm not sure about this person or that person or people in general, just trust. I don't know if this is making sense to you, but the reality is, is that you've seen a lot and that God says, look, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll never turn my back on you. I'll never stop believing in you. I'll never stop loving you. And he's placed other people around you like that, that love you no matter what. And it's hard to just accept that word because of how you're feeling about yourself sometimes. But God says, look, you know what? I placed them around you because I wanted to give you that reassurance that you have a purpose and a plan, that you have a destiny. And even though you feel like, well, why even bother? Why, why should I even bother? God says, because on the other side of this, there's something waiting for you. There's a bigger plan. There's a bigger purpose. And nobody knows what you were thinking and the thoughts you were having and all of those things like that, but God knows, and it's the only reason he had me single you out, because he knows what you've been going through. And he knows how you've been feeling about life and life in general and the pressures of life and all of those things. And he stopped the service just to tell you that he loves you. He cares about you, and he does have a bigger plan. He does have a bigger plan. And so I want those of you that, that the Lord is speaking to, to get up out of your seats, come to the altar as they begin to play. I don't know if any of the worship team will come up. And and just be obedient to the Lord as he speaks to you. Thank <laughs> you.
trying to remember. That's my brother's name right there. Stephen, I thought so. Stephen, I, can I put you on the spot for a second? As the Lord spoke to you, David rather, as the Lord spoke to you when I was here and you responded, what happened in your heart? What, what did the Lord? I know this is unlike you, but God wants me to just have you say. Uh, it's just confirmation that what I'm doing is I'm on the right path. Um, all glory to God, like I told you, it's not about me. It's just about trying to submit and be obedient and let him have the reins. What changed on that day that, that, that the Lord spoke to you? When he spoke to me through you? Yeah. Um, it was just that. It was confirmation because I was I was um, a little bit of um, in a place where I wasn't sure if, if this was real. And as I was back there um, in that seat, I was praying about it. You know, if this is real, let me know. And then you pointed me out and you gave me, you said everything that you said and it just gave me what I needed. It gave me 100% confirmation that God is real and he's, he's working. Amen. Amen. Praise God. That's, you, you're going to end up sharing your testimony even more so because there's so much more to it. There's so much more that God has brought you through. And uh, that's just the beginning. God just wanted me to do that because people need, here need to hear it. They need to hear it. That it's not just by coincidence or by accident that maybe God spoke to your life. And some of you, even some of my young people over here, you're saying, well, how does he know me? How does he know my situation? I don't. God does. God does. And you matter to God. You do. You really matter to God. And if there's anybody who's never received Jesus into your life, and I'm going to pray for, with people, but if there's anybody else, you've never received Jesus into your life, but you say, today I want to make that commitment to Jesus. And that's you today? You'll just say, yeah, that's me. Don't worry about what your friends are saying. Don't worry about who's looking. I was nowhere you came to my rescue. From the grave I've been raised. When I needed a savior to save me, Jesus, you made a way. For listening. The Way would love you to visit our church at 451 West Lambert Road, Suite 204 in the city of Brea. Our service times are Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. For more information, please visit our website at www.thewaybrea.com or you can download our church app 
by visiting your app store and searching the way Brea. Be blessed.